Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Foo followers around the world. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast with your host, Ben Johnson. Remember, if you want to support this show, we have a donations link available via PayPal. Simply head over to paypal.me forward slash Kung Fu Movie Guide to donate. This podcast is very much a one-man operation, so any donations you make will be greatly received and will be put back into the upkeep of this show. A huge thank you to anyone who has donated to the podcast already that is fantastic thank you so much to get in touch with the show you can email me on hello at kungfumovieguide.com we also have our social media accounts on instagram and facebook under the name at kungfumovieguide we are also on youtube and x formerly twitter at kfmovieguide Keep up to date with all the new episodes of this show as they drop by subscribing wherever it is that you get podcasts. And if you do that, please do leave us a star rating or write a review. That all helps to spread the good word of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. You can also read the latest martial arts movie reviews, access our archive and find all our contact information via the website kungfumovieguide.com. Thank you for listening to this episode and now on with the show. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. <laughs> Hello there, food followers around the world, wherever you are in the world listening to this episode. Welcome, welcome to the show. This is the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, episode 94 that is incredible. There are 94 episodes of this podcast. That is mad. But um, what is equally mad is that it's taken this long to get Rick Myers onto the show, one of the leading authorities on kung fu movies in the USA and beyond. His books adorn the shelves of many a kung fu movie fan out there, including myself. And if you are listening to this, then chances are you do have a copy of Rick's 1985 book, Martial Arts Movies, from Bruce Lee to the Ninjas. Maybe that's knocking around on your shelves. Maybe you also have the Encyclopedia of Martial Arts Movies or 2001's Great Martial Arts Movies from Bruce Lee to Jackie Chan and more. Or maybe you have a copy of 2011's Films of Fury. Fans of the Kung Fu Movie Guide from its origins as a blog way back in 2012 might remember that I did interview Rick way back then, and that is over 10 years ago, which is quite a frightening thought. Anyway, link to that original interview is available in the podcast description. This was great to catch up with Rick and chat in a bit more detail on what's been happening in his life over the last 10 years or so, but also what's been happening in the kung fu movie genre. I do love hearing Rick's opinions on movies, and he's still just as forthright and passionate now as he ever was. And this year he has celebrated his 70th birthday, so happy birthday, Rick. And he just seems busier now than he ever was. So that is all coming up on today's show. Another quick reminder to get your thoughts over to me on your favourite fight films of the year 2023. It's been another awesome year for martial arts action movies. We've had Donnie Yen Sakura, not one but two Jackie Chan films. We've had Hidden Strike and Ride On. There's been a new Ninja Turtles movie, Extraction 2, Expendables 4, John Wick 4, Fist of the Condor with Marco Zoror, Knights of the Zodiac. I could go on and on. We've got a full list of the martial arts movies that were released this year available on our website, kungfumovieguide.com. I'll be sure to put a link to that list in the podcast description. Simply tell me which movies have been your favourites from the year and why, and your message could be read out on our special end-of-year show 2023, featuring your friend and mine, the action movie expert Mike Fury. We're actually recording the show next weekend, so there's still... 
plenty of time to be a part of it, simply send over your thoughts by email to hello at kungfumovieguide.com. You can also message the show via social media. We are on X, formerly Twitter, and Facebook and Instagram. Okay, it's Rig Meyer's time. This conversation was recorded over Zoom not too long ago. It was in late October of this year, 2023. I was here in London and Rick was at his home in Connecticut. Rick runs the annual Comic-Con superhero Kung Fu extravaganza every year in San Diego. He's been running that since 1997. So this year it celebrated his 26th edition. As well as his seminal works on the Kung Fu movie genre, Rick is also a prolific author of fiction. He's written over 70 novels, and a lot of them under pseudonyms. He wrote the official Dirty Harry book series. He was assistant editor of Atlas Comics in the 1970s. He was a long-standing contributor to Inside Kung Fu magazine, and he has generally been flying the flag for cult film, action and horror cinema for five decades now. And it was an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with Rick, there is a bit of swearing on this, so you have been warned about that. There's actually a massive F-bomb in there somewhere, but it is uh, it is signalled, so uh, you have been warned. Also, if you haven't watched John Wick Chapter 4 yet, and to be honest, if you are listening to this and you haven't seen it, then uh, what are you doing here? Um, but if you haven't watched it, then we do slightly spoil it a bit. So if you do hear that and you get annoyed about that, then sorry about that, but you have been warned. You may want to skip ahead when we start talking about John Wick Chapter 4, if you haven't seen the movie already. I will be back at the end of this conversation to sign off properly, but until then, here we go. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the legendary Rick Myers. I think when we first spoke i think either you were just starting or you just started learning kung fu how has it progressed over the last decade rick well the last decade has been spectacular that's the great thing about kung fu is that the more you learn it the more you open your mind to it your heart and your hands mm. uh the more powerful it becomes and I agree with what Jet Li told me, that a Kung Fu student's only true opponent is themselves. Yeah. And I forgot, I don't, I, well, I don't, it wasn't Jackie who said this, but it might have been Samo. It was, it was along the lines of, no, I think it was Jet again. Jet, you know, uh, Kung Fu is not about fighting, it's about health. It's yeah. about your health. Your biggest opponent is not another person, but germs. Yourself yeah. and a germ. What happened was, I saw the Bruce Lee movies back in the 70s, didn't speak to me because he was using his fist to cause himself and others pain. And that's one of the things I loved about Bruce is in addition to his incredible charisma and uh, his filmmaking prowess and his acting prowess, you'll notice that whenever he gets to a climactic emotional point when he's fighting someone else, he'll hit them and he'll make this face. He'll make this face. Yeah, And it's like what, what, he, what he said to me is that, yes, I've hurt this person, but I'm also hurting me. That's yeah. the whole idea. I'm mentally and physically hurt by my actions. And mm. I sort of went, hmm, but mm. the rest of it was whatever. So I started looking around for Kung Fu. My childhood, I was hurt physically and mentally, so I didn't want any of that. Mm. So whenever, So I went to a karate class, and they were teaching you how to punch each other. And one of my favorite moments is when I'm teamed up with someone and they say, all right, punch me in the face. Of course, not really. I just have to stop a couple of inches and then they would block. But I put my fist up to punch them in the face and they took my fist and moved it and said, not like that. And I'm going, yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. In a yeah, <laughs> that's going to happen in the street, isn't it? Yeah, that's going to happen. No, no, not like that. Don't yeah. punch like that. I would have stayed with judo because judo was just awesome. However... Every single major student, veteran student in the class, either had partial or no use of a major joint. Of a major joint. Yeah. Because yeah. The, the other thing that, that that school taught me was that if you're sparring, if the teacher is bold enough to have you spar, you're going to get hurt. 
mm. because your opponent can't feel your pain. Mm. And especially people in martial arts, they don't seem to be very empathetic toward their opponent. Mm. Their opponent is someone to hurt yeah. and vanquish. And then finally, Larry Hama at Marvel Comics brought me to see Drunken Monkey in a Tiger's Eye when it opened in 1979. And I, and I saw Jackie Chan. I went, okay, that's what I want to do. Mm. He's spending all his time trying to not to fight and also trying not only not to get hurt, but not to hurt his opponent. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he's dealing with death, when he's dealing with Wang Zhongli and stuff, yeah, he has to defeat them utterly. And, you know, uh, Yun Wu Ping was choreographing, so she, he was also into the defeating your opponent. But when Jackie got onto his own, you saw him after, especially after he injured himself in Armor of God, he would ne- he would almost never defeat his opponent. He would dump. He would literally, in some cases, dump them off screen. Yeah, he's just evading, sort of trying to hurt people now, isn't he? Really? Yeah, he's, and he also he's trying to keep them from hurting themselves. Yeah, Jackie's yeah. one of the few people working today that the the uh, Chinese Film Bureau will allow him to do actual kung fu because they mm. feel Jackie is totally unique. So mm. even in like Hidden Strike, his new movie with John Cena, uh, which is he, good, which is good. Let's say took, the fighting fun. is good. Yeah, the yeah, fighting is good, and Jackie is still doing it. Yeah. Jackie will always put in a moment where he's sorry, you know, yeah. he'll say sorry to his opponent, especially when they. And another thing he gets them to do is he lets them hurt themselves. Because mm. this is what I taught in Kung Fu, the original Kung Fu Panda. Highest form of Kung Fu is not to fight, to make your enemy your friend. However, if someone is out to hurt themselves by trying to hurt you as a Kung Fu student, you'll help them. But it took me a long time to learn that. It wasn't until I, was, I, went, through every, I went to every place that I could find in the Northeast of America that said they were teaching Kung Fu only to find out they weren't. Mm. They were teaching what I've always said, all martial arts, all Kung Fu, all life, in fact, is the human body, the human mind, the world around it. The rest is money and ego. But what happens with these teachers is they want to make a living. Bruce Lee shows up in 1973. Everybody goes, Okay, well, yeah. I want to learn. Ka-ching. Yeah, and so they sort of go, oh, yeah, we teach that. We teach that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. So it wasn't until ultimately I trained in karate, the judo, jiu-jitsu. Uh, none of, all of it was hurting yourself and hurting others. It was all degenerative and destructive. I was looking for constructive and regenerative. And it wasn't until Inside Kung Fu sent me to Taiwan Mm. At the at the invitation of the Taiwanese uh, Tourist Bureau to meet every single kung fu, major kung fu teacher and maybe every single kung fu teacher in Taiwan, which I did over three weeks, and I wow. met I met a qigong teacher named Fong Song Li, who's still my uh, qigong teacher, mm-hmm. and within twenty minutes he taught me more than I had learned in the last twenty years. You still train with him? Oh yeah, I still yeah. train every morning. That's yeah. why that's why we're doing this uh, recording at this time because I, 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 I was going to say because you were training this morning, weren't you? So it, was, is that a daily routine for you? Then, I'm right? not. I'm not training. I'm practicing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, how do you know a kung fu master is not a kung fu master when they say they're a kung fu master? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how you know they're not. <laughs> do you think that it helps having? A, at least a background or a basis in kung fu practice to appreciate the films a lot more? Well, that's why I wrote uh, Films of Fury, yeah, uh, the documentary got... and the book, because I've had, I did two books on martial arts movies. Oh, thank you. Yay me. It's still selling. Yeah, yeah. 10 years. It's a great but book. in any case, thank you. Uh, the reason I wrote that book, I had done the two other. I had done martial arts uh, from Bruce Lee to the Ninjas. Yeah. I had done a great martial art movies from Jackie Chan to Bruce Lee and more. And then I started, and that was those were written before 2001 when mm-hmm. I went to Taiwan. And after I started learning Kung Fu, I started seeing especially La Kali Young's movies in a completely different yeah. way. Yeah, I started, I started recognizing stuff that before I just thought it was dance. I thought mm. it was the, the emotions of opera. 
and the movements of ballet. You can appreciate those films on that level as well, can't you? On a sort of surface level. I did for decades. Yeah. Because it's just like watching a musical. You don't have to dance like Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly to appreciate a music or sing like John Travolta or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to do that to enjoy it. But if you understand especially Kung Fu, it opens up a whole, it opens up literally, you suddenly start seeing the movie in three dimensions. Mm. Mm. And you go, whoa. And also yeah. what's great about Kung Fu, it's just like learning dance. The more you watch it, the more you see, the more you learn. You go, oh, I didn't see that. That's why I keep watching The Final Master over and over and over. Mm. Zhu Wang Feng's older movie. Thankfully, he has a new movie that premiered at the Toronto Film Festival yeah. called 100 Yards, which my buddies at Welco USA got the American rights to. Yes. And it's kind of like, I'm going, oh boy, yeah. oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Because even in the trailer, I'm watching him do his thing, which is basically an uh, elevated Kung Fu students. When, when you see them start to move, whenever they get into a conflict of any sort, um, it does look like magic. It looks like mm -hmm. they're doing magic. And that's what Zhu will uh, watch the final master, hopefully watch the uh, 100 yards when it comes out. It looks like they're doing magic. Do you think he's one of the best kung fu filmmakers out there at the moment? Would he's you say? the only one. He's the, he's the, the only, only one. one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had he had done three movies after Final Master, which the Chinese Film Bureau did not they allow him release. to release. Yeah, yeah. It was it. so strange. Yeah. Uh, no, well, it's completely understand uh, understandable. Again, that's the other great thing about kung fu because I keep saying, smart, serene, strong, sympathetic. Those are the four four S's. So what's that's what you want to do. If you if you seek, I agree with Bruce, everything that Bruce Lee and Jesus Christ said. I agree with them. The only thing I seem to disagree on with Bruce Lee is that he says you want to start you want to stop the fight at its source. I agree with that, but I don't necessarily agree with what he considered the source. Mm -hmm. I've I felt that he thought the source was the beginning of the fight. My feeling is that. If the fight starts, you've already failed. Mm. You've already lost if the start if you have let the fight start. Mm -hmm. Zhu Wafeng is talking about that and many, many other things. He especially gets into both in the final master and the hundred yards, the money and ego aspect. Because mm -hmm. he talks about the fighting between schools. Yeah. So the Chinese Film Bureau, again, completely understandable when you feel, when you understand that they feel that. They don't want 3 billion uh, residents, 3 billion citizens of China to have open minds. They want them to follow orders. So they're always going to go for, for not Kung Fu, for martial arts. One of the nice things also about the Chinese Film Bureau is that the, the people who run it change every once in a while. And the government also changes its mind. Mm. You know, originally they said they couldn't have vampires in their movies and they, they couldn't have guns in their movies after A Wolf Warrior 2. But now it seems they're loosening up a bit. Now, any second they can tighten. Also, they're allowing their actors like Donnie Yen to adapt. Yeah. They're trying to find their way. Donnie and all the other guys who are still working, Samuel, are still trying to find a way that they can compromise with the Chinese Film Bureau so they can keep making the movies they want to make. It's interesting to see someone like Donnie Yen who is still trying to straddle both of those worlds. And it was interesting when with John Wick 4, he didn't really do too much press over that as well. And I wonder if he's very, he must be very sensitive to to what, what he says in the media, I would imagine. It's a tricky tightrope, isn't it, I guess, in what you can and well, can't, no, can't no, say it's, there. It's not... It's not tricky at all. It's that's the thing that he's learning. The great thing, the reason I know that Donnie is developing even more and learning more is that he's getting smarter. For mm -hmm. decades, he tried to, he wanted to be badass. And I keep on suggesting to my students that no, you want to be good ass, smart ass, or wise ass. <laughs> yeah. You want to be wise and smart about this. I'm not interested in how tough or badass someone is, I'm interested in how smart and effective they are. What was great about Kung Fu, Tai Chi, Qigong, and by the way, again, it's all the same. Yeah. I, don't I don't practice Wing Chun. I don't practice whatever. I practice 
life, basically. I practice Kung Fu. Mm. Uh, my style, I, I practice my style, which is called Rick Fu. Yeah. And, this, and, the, and the subtitle is Don't Hurt Me. Yeah. <laughs> which I also have to say to myself all the time. I look in the mirror and go, Rick, stop it. Stop yeah. hurting yourself, man. Come on. <laughs> Long pole expert. Shaolin garbage. You've mentioned this a couple of times, but I won't, we don't have to dwell on this. But I know I wondered because you mentioned there around your sort of childhood and maybe sort of escaping some uh, trauma from those years. I wondered if, um, you know, the cinema and writing and that creative side, was that a bit of a sort of escapism for you? That was a bit of a sanctuary? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, all of it was. Everything yeah. away from everything away from my my mentally ill mother's was was an escape. And that was everything from playing with my G.I. Joes and my soldiers uh, to walking around. But what I did mostly back in the days, because I'm 70, is that I didn't I didn't see my first movie until I was like six years old mm-hmm. and my grandparents showed it to me. So what I did was read. Yeah. And I would read I mean I not surprisingly, I read every science fiction and mystery book that was new and republished from like from 19 I started reading at four or five as I recall and from the age of five to 19 so the age of five was 1958 to 1975 mm. I read everything I read yeah. I was reading five five books a, a week at least and it was mystery because what was great about the mysteries, specifically the detective stories like Sherlock Holmes and Ellery Queen, stuff like that, is that they would find a problem and they would solve it. They would mm-hmm. solve the problem. And that's that d- put me on the direction of my own life of, you know, solving the mystery of my life and, and the, the way I worked. And science fiction, which was imagination, which was a total escape. I became a member of the Science Fiction Writers of America, the member of the Mystery Writers of America. I've written 75 published books, more than 75 at this point. Uh, and in every genre except romance, if you look me up and you have to find my pseudonyms like Wade Barker and Dane Hartman yeah. and other yeah. and Brian Swift and other guys, uh, what was, I have a bunch. The last 10 years, I've done at least seven novels, none with my name on the cover. Mm. And I just have a book coming out in May of next of 2024. Uh, that is probably the biggest book I've ever done. I'm just flattered that by I get to the age of 70 and I'm now working with the biggest publisher in the world. Also, I'm still doing comic books. I'm still doing, uh, I'm still doing uh, DVDs. Much to my amazement, uh, I'm, they just released the Volume 3 uh, Shaw Brothers uh, classic set. Yeah. And they interviewed, they put a documentary featuring me on one of their discs. And right. I haven't done that in a long time because you know, you know, audio DVD audio commentary has done been there, done that, yeah. done that well, but also done that not as well as I would have liked. But now Frank Jang invited me onto the Vinegar Syndrome uh, DVD of um, Magic Crystal. Great. I'm back doing those too, yeah. and also documentaries. Grady Hendrix invited me onto Iron Fist and Kung Fu Kicks documentary, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a crew and. And Brooklyn is doing a documentary on me now, so uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just like having fun. You're described as the most influential voices in uh, martial arts cinema across the USA. I mean, I'd be hard pressed yeah, to think of yes, anyone yeah. that was writing um, on this subject before you. Anyone who's a kung fu movie fan has your books and has had them on their. They've been a staple of their shelf for for many years. Um, I'm 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 first with an asterisk because there was another book that came from one of my publishers, A.S. Barnes, called the Martial Art Movie. I think it was called. Right. But it really wasn't. It was martial arts, but it wasn't Asian martial arts. Yeah. It yeah. Was, it, it was a swordplay movies, but that, but like Robin Hood and mm. Uh, mm. stuff like that. You were around in 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 the states during that seventies kung fu boom when you started uh, seeing Jackie Chan's movies. You jumped in like headfirst into all of, all of that well, stuff, well, all the Shaw Brothers. Well, that's what led to the first book. I mean, yeah. the, the the martial art movie book because by then I had written a book on science fiction films, on fantasy films. 
on uh, TV detectives. These were award-nominated books, and I enjoyed them. So I had publishers, Citadel Press and A.S. Barnes. I went to see Drunken Master. <laughs> I literally went right to the publisher, who was in New York, and said, I want to do a, a book on these things. Mm. And they went, go ahead. We'll give you 750 bucks. And they did, and I did. And at that time... Simple as that. For me at that time, yeah, I, I entered the book business at the best possible time yeah. because they had to fill slots in the bookstores and I was there going and they knew I was fast and I was eager and I was and I would give them something they could publish. That's If you mm. want to be a writer, guys, that's the one secret you've got to learn. Give them something they can use. So don't make it about you, make it about them. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my motto. What can I do for you? Not what can you do for me? What can I do for you? Yeah, and it yeah. still works. I don't give them something that's all about me. I give them some. Well, actually, I do because you know if you've read uh, martial art movies from Bruce Lee to the Ninjas, it's not really a scholarly book mm-hmm. in any way. What it is is look at this stuff. Yeah. Isn't this stuff great? Unless you were going to sort of the grindhouse theaters and seeing old Shaw Brothers movies, like how how was the general public? how would they have known about a lot of these movies? Like you were introducing a genre of films that just had completely bypassed the the sort of mainstream media. No, again, the timing was perfect because World Northall was putting out Black Belt Theater, a package of syndicated Shaw Brothers movies that went on syndicated television all over America. Right. And that was happening at that moment. Right. And they were, they had an office across the street from my publisher. And when I found that out, I walked right in and said, I want to do a book on these things. And they went. Yes. They basically did their version. They fell to their knees and kissed my ring. They gave me a ring. Then they kissed it. Yeah. And then Ocean Shores. Ocean Shores was the first Hong Kong company who was trying to distribute VHS Kung Fu movies in America. And again, when when, when I found out about them and they found out about me, they sort of went, whatever you want. They're the ones who brought me to Hong Kong for the first time to be at their offices for three weeks to make two VHS documentaries, which is This is Kung Fu and Ninja Mania. They introduced me to Wong Long Wai. They set up an introduction with Raymond Chow and Jackie Chan wow. in the early 80s, right after and I became friendly with Jackie. I mean, uh, do you know that story? Did I tell you that story about um, I'm, I'm brought to Jackie Chan's office at Golden Harvest in Hong Kong? And he's having an argument with one of his producers. And he turns and he sees me, this big white guy, and goes, you, come here. And I <laughs> comes over here. And he puts his arm around my shoulder and he says, who's the, who's the best person to direct me in an American movie? And I said, well, obviously you. And he went and he looked at the producer. He turned me toward the producer and he went, tell him that. You've spoken to Jackie quite a bit over the years. I mean, when, when yeah. was the last time you, you spoke to Jackie, Rick? The last time, I think, was 2008. Yeah, yeah. The last truly serious time we spoke was at on 2001, uh, in 2001, uh, when he was making uh, The Medallion. He had been inviting me to premieres. I went to the premiere of The Accidental Spy. Mm. And and I basically said, man, you are so talented. You don't have to try so hard. You're constantly trying to prove that you're just as fast as you always were. But of course, in Kung Fu, you don't have to be fast. I want that medal or I'll take your life. Do you still see stuff in those old movies then, Rick? Do you still refer oh, yeah. back to some of the Lao Ga Lung stuff? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, especially Legendary Weapons of China yeah. and Heroes of, Heroes of the East. Brilliant. The rest of the ones he's usually, because those things are Kung Fu movies. Yeah. He would specialize, of course. He would do one on Shaolin Mantis. He would do one on Mad, on Monkey yeah, Kung monkey. Fu. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he would, and Jackie would do the same. I mean, Drunken Master in a Tiger's Eye was the original title. So they would they would get into specifics, which is understandable. But also, Jackie would do this great thing: was whenever he would did Snake in the Eagle Shadow and Drunken Master, he'd always ended by developing a new technique, which mm-hmm. was him. Because again, Bruce Lee was right: learn everything you can from everyone you can. 
then make it your own. Yeah. Bruce was all about getting better. Yeah. And everybody, what I call the, the fan ghouls, are all about keeping him where he is, keeping him down, mm. keeping that Don't learn anything more. Stay exactly at when all those clone, Bruce Lee clone movies were coming out in the seventies, what were you, were you were you a fan of those? I no, but I enjoyed them. I enjoyed yeah. them. I understood because I love Bruce so much that Bruce would have hated them. Yeah, but that's okay. Oh it still had better kung fu than anything I could find in America. Yeah, it's yeah, had, that's true. And also Bruce Liang, Bruce Le, these guys were talented. I felt mm. bad for them. As a matter of fact, my buddy Frank Jang. Uh, co-creator and co-host of the uh, San Diego Comic-Con Kung Fu Extravaganza, now in its 28th year, Incredible. has has co-produced the Enter the Clones of Bruce documentary. Yeah, I've seen it, Rick. It's, right it's fantastic. It's, it's fun. Yeah. And they're, and they're also fair about it. You know, yeah. They had a balance uh, playing to the fan ghouls, but also telling the truth yeah. about these movies. Well, and, you feel sorry. The, you feel sorry for particularly Bruce Lai. I mean, he loved Bruce Lee, and then I guess he's always going to be known as the guy that was doing the this sort of pale imitation of him. And I think he's always had to wrestle with that right. reality and the legacy that he's left behind as all these sort of dodgy films, <laughs> you know, that are seen as slightly insulting in a way. But you know. Well, not just slightly, <laughs> yeah, completely just insulting. Completely. <laughs> but that's I was trying right. to be polite. There is, well, you come to the wrong place. Yeah, <laughs> the, um, yeah the, one of the, the thing that bothered me is that they not only were insulting to Bruce, they were insulting to me. Mm. But they weren't insulting, but they don't care about me. I've always said with my, my dear uh, female friend, Kate, we're, we're a market share of one. So no mm. one cares about us. They want to they play to the crowd yeah. and the crap you can never fail with bruce bruce is still an icon but probably because he's he is stuck in aspect people mm. all you have to do is put bruce in it people will come we've got this ang lee biopic coming along now as well oh and... i'm hoping hoping so much yeah for that. what do you come how on. do you feel about that <laughs> well that's the thing i never look at the person in front of the camera i always look at the person behind the camera yeah. So yeah. if it's Ang Lee, it's got the possibility of being reputable and respectful yeah. and smart and insightful. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's it's got the possibility of being smart ass. It's got the possibility of being wise ass. Yeah. Yeah. But so I'm just fingers crossed. It seems that he is incredibly resilient. You know, it's been 50 years, Rick, and there's still new stuff that's being produced. It's it's incredible, isn't it? But, well, it is, and, but it's understandable because nobody else has advanced. There's no question in my mind, Bruce is the best. You cannot, mm. I cannot imagine, I mean, even, I don't include Game of Death because that was an awful insult but and an abomination. Uh, especially since they could have made a great one, he okay. had all the he had all the stuff, had all the they footage. They had the footage, and also they had his plan. He had he mm. had the whole plan for the movie. He had the two Chinese co-stars who they cut out. Mm. Uh, they could have made something that was respectful and something that would make everyone cry at the end. But nope, they made it. You know, we're just going to collect the money, and also we're also going to show our disrespect to Bruce. I always call Game of Death Raymond Chow's Revenge because Bruce did not treat him well. And that's mm. the other issue, something that I've discussed with Brandon, with um, Linda, and one of the reasons that I don't do a lot of speeches at their dinners. I was supposed to do a big speech at the first Memorial Bruce Lee dinner in Seattle, and Linda said, would you mind not doing it? And I said, no, I completely understand because I was going to talk about his Hong Kong years. And that was something that she does not want to be brought up and does not want to remember because the true tragedy of Bruce is that he didn't practice what he preached. He essentially destroyed himself. Mm. And it, uh, you know, if he had gotten to the Jet Li stage and gotten over and, and solved his ego problem again, money and ego, mm -hmm. um, he would have lived forever. He'd still be around. Yeah. But no, he destroyed himself. All right. Let me try some of your kung fu. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kung Fu consultant on movies. I mean, in yeah. particular, Kung Fu Panda. They asked you to visit DreamWorks. You went to DreamWorks Studios. Is this correct? Yeah. And you, yeah. Well, it happened. Oh, they would come. I would do the Kung Fu extravaganza at the San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. I would do it. We started it in like 1998 or something. Yeah. And still so, going. Oh, yeah. Unbeknownst I've got to, to make it out there for one of them. I still haven't been. I know. Hurry. Next year. Hurry. The genre is shrinking. I'm getting older. Yeah. And guess what I brought back from the San Diego Comic-Con this year? COVID. Anyway, <laughs> so but be that as it may, thankfully, I the Kung Fu helped enormously for yeah. that. Yeah. That was amazing. But in any case, so I, unbeknownst to me, all these really great people were coming to the Kung Fu extravaganza. And they would go back and there were a bunch of DreamWorks animators who saw it and came back. And they were working on, like, in 2000, and, and the movie came out, I think, in 2008. So I think this was yep. 2006. Mm -hmm. They came back and said, you've got to get this guy to come and talk to us. So they got in touch with me and said, could you come visit us? I said, of course. And it's, it's a long and wonderful story. But uh, basically, uh, I came. I was brought up to their offices. What I found out at that time in, at DreamWorks, there was Shrek and Slums. There were Shrek and Slums. And Kung Fu Panda, since it hadn't come out yet, was in the slums. Yeah. Kung Fu Panda was, it was still the very first movie DreamWorks made, which was not an attempt to sabotage or denigrate Disney. Mm. It's the very first one that was wholly original. Mm -hmm. I sat down with them and I said, so... Have you done any research? And they said, yeah, we watched Seven Samurai. Yeah. And I went, okay. Oh, dear. You're making a baseball movie and you're watching football films. Yes. Yeah. Let me, let me show you some baseball movies. <laughs> I had all my, all my uh, films from the Kung Fu extravaganza and I started showing them. I mean, I started showing them my favorite. I mean, very first one. The uh, uh, Magnificent Butcher Calligraphy fight. Mm, brilliant. Very first fight scene. Yeah, of course. I showed them only the most brilliant stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I wanted their eyes to be going boom. Yeah. And uh, so by the end of it, they're going, uh, could you stay on for the entire production, please? And I sort of went, sure. I don't yeah. mind. At that time, they didn't have directors. They had producers and animators. And... They, and because, again, I'd like to think with my help and my influence, they got one animation director and they got one animation director who took Kung Fu, John mm -hmm. Stevenson. Mark Osborne was the great artistic animator uh, director and uh, John Stevenson knew Kung Fu better than I did. So we worked together extremely well and also he taught everybody what kung fu was because again you notice in kung fu panda 2 no kung fu in the movie mm. it all goes right back to B bs fists and nonsense uh but in his i mean just very 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 smart stuff and also accurate it's still the most it's the best kung fu movie ever made in america it's still strangely enough the most accurate one well, it's a message. It's a powerful message, isn't it? Because the whole point he's trying to find, you know, what's this? What's the key to be the most powerful, you know, kung fu guy around here? 
and uh you know the big reveal obviously is that um you know he, it's it's there, there is no secret it's just he's got it he's got it in himself yeah exactly. it's in you but that's also not the other secret big kung fu teachers will always react in the movie the same way that everyone else in the audience doesn't react to which is there's a moment where tai lung tries to get po and po catches him in the uh Wushi finger hold. Yeah, the, the finger hold. Yeah. yeah. And then, <laughs> and uh, Tai Long goes, Wuchi finger hold. Did Shifu teach you that? And Poe says, no, I figured it out. Mm. And that's the moment where every mate, that's how you can tell a real Kung Fu master. A real Kung Fu master will cheer and applaud when Poe says, no, I figured it out. Mm. In martial arts, that means a red belt. That means you get a red belt. No, no belts in Kung Fu. Mm. But what happens next, which is where Kung Fu Panda 2 goes really wrong, is at the end of Kung Fu Panda 2, he says skadoosh, but he says it after he, after he catches a cannonball, which is like, again, just so incredibly stupid. Skadoosh is not something physical. It is not something martial. He says skadoosh, because he had just taken his next step on the road to enlightenment. Because mm. that's when he brings down his pinky, he says skadoosh. That's why that's there's that big energy burst. Because he had just taken his next step on the road to enlightenment. Because that's the goal of Kung Fu. Kung Fu is not about fighting, it's about not fighting. Mm -hmm. It's about making your enemy your friend. I've killed many men with this pole, but still, I don't want to kill you yet. Rick, I've got to pick up on something that you just said there around the Comic-Con events. You said, yes. um, you know, hurry up and get over there because um, the numbers are dwindling. Is that is yep. that correct? Look, we, we pride ourselves. Thankfully, Frank is doing all these remasters now. Yeah. 88 Films, Eureka, Shout Factory, uh, uh, Vinegar Syndrome, all uh, Criterion now. They're all remastering the classics. Mm -hmm. But guess what? There's a limited amount of classics. Nobody's making new classics. I was hoping Zhu Feng would be able to make new classics. But no, they can only get away with what China will let them get away with. Mm. Because we don't have, and also all the great Kung Fu choreographers, Yun Wu Ping, Sam Hong, Jackie, and many others, um, the kid who played the kid who played in Enter the Dragon. He, uh, I keep forgetting yeah, his name. Uh, Tong Wei. Tong Wei, yes, Stephen yeah. Tong Wei. Um, they're all getting older. Yeah. And also, the other thing is that they'll. I mean, I've spoken to you, Wu Ping, and Jackie Chan on these American sets, and they'll and they'll admit they won't admit this, but I will admit it for them, and they'll just sort of go. Which mm -hmm. is when they come to American when they come to. When they come to American productions, they will not tell the Americans how to do it. They will do whatever the Americans tell them to do. Stephen Fung told me this about Into the Badlands. He said, the only thing they wanted me to do is make it look cool. They don't care about the foundations for it. Mm. They don't care about the whole... Po they don't care about motivations. Mm. I mean, when I was writing... <laughs> I was writing... The Dirty Harry novels. The, my editor brought me in and said, could you take out all that psychology? You know, I said, so basically you want you want Harry to go into a, a men's room, pull down a zipper, pull out his 44 Magnum and shoot the toilet. He goes, yeah. They didn't want they didn't want anything behind it. Mm. They just wanted they wanted just shooting the gun, which is why we've gotten to the state of action movies that we're in at the moment which is why they're getting soft at the box office, I think. You know, mm -hmm. Mission, the new Mission Impossible, the new uh, Fast and Furious, the Indiana Jones, oh. Yeah, I've not seen that yet. Ooh, I've avoided oh. it. Yeah. But again, all these stuff is what I call physiology-free. Oh, John Wick 4. Mm -hmm. The only way I could appreciate John Wick 4 was as a musical and yep. as... Because the opening speech in John Wick 4 is the opening quote from Dante's Inferno. And the opening quote from Dante's Inferno is Virgil bringing Dante to 
to the seven circles of hell, which is what John Wick does in John Wick 4, which explains why everyone's impervious. There are no cops everywhere. Nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets scratched. I mean, because it is John, my theory is, and of course, the studio is not going to follow my theory, but Keanu Reeves is, which is John Wick died at the end of the last one. When he went off the when he went off the ceiling of yeah, the certainly looked like he did. Yeah, he went off the continental roof. He fell ten stories. He bounced off a steel fire escape. He landed face first on asphalt. Yeah, and he that killed him. This new movie, if you watch it for, without understanding, the only blood in the entire movie is at the opening of the movie where John is practicing again with his stupid fist and hurting himself. He's hitting the board, hurting himself. But the rest of the movie was bringing him through the seven circles of hell. And at the end, what happens? He get, he finds peace. Yeah, yeah. He lays down and finds peace. Now, that, Lionsgate is not going to let that stand. <laughs> They're not going to let that remain. Because they set up John Wick 4, so the sequel would be about Donnie Yen's Blind Swordsman. Mm, mm. That's what they set up. Keanu will simply say, no, I'm too old. Keanu, Keanu's smart enough to say, let me move on. Yeah. Because, you know, usually the studios go, we'll just throw more money at you. Yeah. Keanu's one of those guys, and that's why I have that book up there. That's that's the John Wick book. Yes. The and the history of gun fu. Yeah. Ed Gross keeps bringing me in on his, he also brought me in on his James Bond book. They're all oral histories. James mm -hmm. Bond, Star Wars, Superman. But this was my favorite because he let me write the entire history of gun fu which I may or may have, you know, again, I apologize because this is my ego talking. I was in Hong Kong the night that A Better Tomorrow premiered. I met John Woo the previous day. He signed a poster for me. Yeah. I thought the movie was a drama about school teachers because that's what the poster looked like. The movie was sold out. They found one seat at 10 o'clock at night on the other side of Hong Kong Island. I saw it. I saw everything changed. And I turned to all the members of uh, Film Workshop who had arranged all this for me. And I said, that's not Kung Fu. That's Gun Fu. Mm. And to my knowledge, because I was working as the entertainment editor for Inside Kung Fu magazine at that time, and also was still doing my books, I don't know if I was the first one to say that in print. I don't know if I was... Because my attitude is that anyone who saw better tomorrow and had any wise ass or smart ass in them at all would say that's gone through yeah that's not yeah i would i would say i mean uh, that because that's uh even keanu says that term a lot and people say that as if it's a new thing but uh that that term's been around for a very long time and it all it all goes back to john woo doesn't it well it go not all actually i talk mm. about the predecessors in this book mm. it all goes back to actually japanese uh samurai cinema yeah. Because I say gunfu is the nature, just like sword food, mm. which is gunfu is just a great phrase, though. It's so perfect. Yeah. It's so perfectly encapsulated. But you can tell gunfu from just what I call bullet porn or mm. gun porn yeah. because of the um, character's relationship to his weapon. Mm. John Wick and uh, uh, Chow Yun-Fat and John Woo have a relationship with the gun because the gun has been around since the very beginnings of cinema. The gun has been a, has been a if you'll excuse, I can swear, right? Yeah. yeah. The gun in, in, in cinema has become a fucking tool. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm tired of the way they treat cars in movies. I'm tired of the way they treat guns in movies. I'm trying to, I'm tired of the way they treat fists in the movie mm. because the movies tell you that it's physiology free. Can't hurt you. None of this can hurt you. I'm working with an amazing guy right now who is uh, one of the great Green Berets of all time. And he can attest that every single time he pulled the trigger and that bullet hit something, it made a scar in his own yeah. brain. Yeah, but yeah. The thing that John Wick does better than everybody else is reload. Yeah. That's what he does brilliantly. Very cool. Very cool. And also, yeah. every single... You can count the number. You know how many rounds each of the weapons that, because as soon as he runs out of rounds, he reloads. Yeah, yeah. If he has a seven-round clip, if he has a 15-round clip, 
after seven, after 15, they'll reload. Yeah, it's a great little detail, that. But also the gun in American culture and then in American cinema, it's always been the enemy of the Kung Fu movie, hasn't it, really? And that is probably why Kung Fu movies, why America hasn't maybe produced as many great Kung Fu movies. Would you agree no, with that? Because, no, 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 not at all. They don't, they don't do it because they don't understand Kung Fu at all. Yeah. They think it's martial arts. Yeah. And one of my favorite things, one of my uh, Tai Chi teachers, one of the most powerful Tai Chi teachers I'd ever seen, when somebody pulled the gun on him, he said, oh, you brought me a gun. <laughs> Basically, we learn that if someone wants to hurt themselves by trying to hurt us, we, as a Kung Fu student, will help them do so. Mm. And that means that when they pull out a weapon, we already know where this person is coming from. If they pull out a knife, if they pull out a knife, that's different. Yeah. In other words, a gun, a gun kind of, you know, makes not me. If I if I get to a place where somebody pulls a gun on me, oh, I've already failed. I yeah. I just be going, oh, buddy, you know, do what you want because you know I can't I can't believe I let you do that. Mm. But can I can I buy you a beer? You seem upset. Yeah. <laughs> So no, they're not making good kung fu movies in America because they do not understand what kung fu is. Again, they're trying to serve the the Bruce Floytation audience, not even the mm. Bruce Lee audience, mm. the Bruce Floytation audience, which is let's make it badass, let's make it tough. You can see the difference of Chow Yun Fat in John Woo's movies and in the American movies he made, in the replacement killers and stuff like that. They they film him completely differently. In those movies, he's always humble, he's always humorous, he's always kind of even a little shy. Yeah. But in the American movies, he's a big fucking badass. Yeah. He's, the biggest, he's the biggest tiger in the valley kind yeah, of yeah. crap. Complete misunderstanding of what the form is. Yeah. Jet Li told me this, which is, he said, the difference between me working in America and working in Hong Kong is in Hong Kong, we have one month to make the movie. We spend three weeks on the action, one week on the drama. In America, we spend one week on the action, three weeks on the drama. So again, that's why the fighting in American movies and American television shows are so familiar, are mm. so physiology-free, so video game-like, because that's super easy. And that's why everybody... The speech I made at Disney was called The Art of Screen Action, where I said everybody should fight in character. You should know the person from how they fight. Mm -hmm. But you don't see that. You know, when you have a young woman, I remember Dove Cameron was playing somebody, I think, on uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and she was fighting an older man. They fought exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. You could have switched their heads without affecting the fight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also what I said in the speech, if you can switch their head without affecting the fight, it's not a good fight. Yeah. If, you can, if you can watch the entire fight and feel nothing as a viewer, it's not a good fight. Mm, it's mm. what I call empty movement. Good, good. You're clever, but not clever enough because now you will die. Hey. Are you optimistic at all in in what the the future holds? I guess from what you see yes. in sort of modern action films. Well, I've all, yeah. you know yeah. I've been watching movies for uh, what am I? Yeah, at least sixty years at this point. Yeah. And as every single one of those thousands, if not millions of movies, have they all been great? No, they haven't. <laughs> so yes, of course I have hope because the Koreans, the Japanese, and to a degree, the guys who make streaming movies for the Chinese market, every once in a while, they'll come up with something that makes me go, ooh. That's, that's very true, ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. And and WoWGo are actually quite good at picking those up, actually, and set, um, and releasing those. So you do still occasionally see the odd kung fu movie, one that sort of turns your no, head no, down right. No, no, I see no. all of them. I see yeah. them all. Yeah. I only enjoy them, uh, <laughs> depending yeah. on what they're doing. Oh, yeah, Ballerina. Ah, uh, Baller yeah. But it's not... It it's not the John Wick spinoff ballerina. It's a Japanese. And yeah. the opening fight in that, one of the best fights I've seen, because usually when I see these uh, female-led action movies that they've been doing a lot, the, the women always fight like the men do. And I'm going, no, not smart. Mm. Because no matter how tough you want to be, your, your literal biology is not the same. Your muscle mass is not the same. 
So why should you be so stupid as to use this? You should be smarter. And this young, this young lady in uh, in ballerina, ooh, nice. Yeah, you must be encouraged as well, Rick, to see, say, like a movie like um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. You know, picking up so many Oscars. I mean, you know that the martial arts directors there were, you know, they started off as YouTubers. You know, uh, the the Lee brothers. That's really encouraging. Where you're seeing this sort of a new generation of talent that's coming through. Yeah. Well, new generation is always good, but Hollywood yeah. is still Hollywood. You're pretending that everything, everywhere, all at once is unique. Do you remember another little film called Crouching Tiger, Hidden yeah. Dragon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you re- do you remember what happened after that? Do you remember a- another little film called Delman Louise? Yeah. Do you remember what happened after that? This is what happens. I wor- I've worked out in Hollywood. I'm still working in Hollywood. But the reason I live on the East Coast and not in Hollywood, I had my opportunity to stay in Hollywood. Hmm. But I wrote my second science fiction novel, Return to Doomstar in Hollywood. It's the worst novel I've ever written (laughs) because it's so superficial. Yeah. Because I felt the energy coming in. Here's here's what I discovered. Because I was working with Columbo and Murder, She Wrote, and Twilight Zone. Cool stuff. However, I found out that they are in the minority. Ultimately, Hollywood attracts people who are power mad because you know it's a great place for people who are power mad every single film crew or television crew that i've ever met all over the world are awesome they're always excellent because they're replaceable if they screw up even for a second they are replaced Mm -hmm. however everybody above the line not even really the writers but the producers the actors the directors 80 percent of them well, again, I'm reversing. 20% of them are geniuses. And I've been very lucky to work with them. But I've also worked with the 80%. And the 80% are venal, backstabbing assholes. <laughs> yeah. They really are. They are yeah. there to destroy your dreams. They are there to destroy your dreams. Mm. They are there to have power over you. I tell you, if you get a chance to watch the live-action Mulan on Disney+, Plus, they have special behind-the-scenes featurettes. Watch the ones that have the producers talking. Mm. When you see the producers of the live action Milan talk, all I see is, you know, all I, I hear echoes in their brains. I hear echoes in their skulls. Hello, hello, anybody home? <laughs> it, it's astonishing. Yeah. So the situation is that what's happening now, I mean, I love wokeism. I'd like to do woke food. Because that's the one great thing that Woke is doing. It is bringing people like the Daniels in. And hopefully, slowly but surely, permeating the likes of the Daniels into the 80%. Hopefully, the ratio will become 75-25, then Mm -hmm. 70-30, and maybe even 50, maybe even during my lifetime, which is unlikely, (laughs) 50-50 someday. Mm. But what happened after Thelma and Louise, what happened after Crouching Tiger, the 80% coalesced and started to sabotage, started to undercut. And also another thing that's kind of preventing them is the the sheer amount of entertainment available mm. to us now. Does it feel like a bit of a saturated uh, market then, do you think? All these streaming platforms well, that's, demanding content. Yes, yeah. but that's, that's lowering the expect. Netflix lowers the expectation of the viewer. So you can, so it's harder to sabotage the great ones, because we're used to we're used to all this mediocre work. Did you see the sequel to Crouching Tiger? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't quite right, was it? It wasn't great. Wasn't even close. Yeah, but that's what they they turn them into pod people. They turn mm. they turn these things into pods and they reduce. And that's what that's one of the reasons that I'm so happy by seeing these new horror slasher movies, which are smarter. Mm. Things like Freaky and Happy Death Day to You and Malignant and uh, Barbarian. I'm very happy to see those because it used to be that they would make horror movies at a certain quality level because they don't want their audience to expect more. That's why uh, the third Nightmare on Elm Street was bad for them because uh, Dream Warriors raised the expectation of the audience that the sequel to Dream Warriors would be better than Dream Warriors. And they said, no, no, we've got to, we've got to cut that down right now. We don't want to have to, producers don't want to have to work hard. 
Mm-hmm. It's hard enough to make movies without having to do a really good one every time. Yeah. <laughs> so when they find a genre like slasher movies where and like exploitation, where the audience will take whatever crap you give them, they embrace it. They champion it. They don't want, you know, that's why no one has followed Bruce Lee, because Bruce Lee was exceptional. Mm. Mm. So it's much easier to deal with Bruce Lai and Bruce Le and Bruce Liang and all these guys. because And also, again, it's show business. They want an audience that will take whatever crap they give them. But thankfully, there are filmmakers who are saying, I'm going to take James Wan and others. I'm going to do better. I have to admit, in the new, in the new um, oh, geez, the one that just came out with, uh, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Expendables 4. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, have, they have Iko Uwes and uh, Tony uh, Jaa. Tony Jaa, yeah. Tony Jaa has never been happier in his life. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's having a lot of fun. Oh my God, and it's about time because he was so miserable yeah. back in Thailand because I interviewed him for both uh, Ong Bak 1 and Ong Bak 2. And he was so unhappy. Mm. And so I, now I see him in this. And he does, when he's happy, he does really good work. Yeah, yeah, Expendables yeah. 4 is the very definition definition of dumb fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Forget Underline dumb. Yeah, we have, but no, but underline fun for the yeah. last for the last quarter of the movie. Just yeah. fast forward to the last quarter. Yeah, yeah. When, when uh, I love Jason Statham too. He's yeah. one of my favorite martial right. arts guys. Jason will always do what Jason does. He's not gonna let people water down his work. Mm-hmm. So in the last quarter, when he, when he gets, when he faces Eco and when he works, when he partners up with Tony, just watch that. Yeah. Forget everybody else. Just yeah. watch those guys and rewatch them and rewatch yeah. them and rewatch them. <laughs> impossible how can you last this long <laughs> don't you know we're horse trainers you've covered the kung fu genre so much over the over your life is there more to say will, will we get another another book well, or a movie or what, what well yeah. as you've noticed i can talk about kung fu forever yeah and i and i will talk about kung fu and if people I would love at this point for people to do screenings of the of the kung fu classics with me, or or invite me to do commentaries on these kung fu classics mm-hmm. to just talk about the kung fu. Yeah. Because Frank Frank Jen can take care of who produced that and who he's wrote got this. all the names and the history. Yeah, he yeah. knows the history. I don't know any of that. Yeah, uh, and if I did, it went right through my brain. Mm. Um, but what I do know is that I know more about kung fu now than a majority of the people I know other than my my teachers. Mm-hmm. And I would love to get my teachers, uh, Rick Barrett, I probably can't get Fong Song Lee from Taiwan. I'd love to get them and do that. Mm. That's something I would love to do. And yeah. of course, Hope Springs Eternal, again, 100 Yards is coming out. So there's going to be, I love, basically, you, it's easy to judge what I like, which is great. My favorite food, great food. My favorite movies, great movies. My favorite clothes, great clothes. My favorite uh, barber, a great barber. Yeah. So basically, again, life to me is Kung Fu. The human body, the human mind, the world around it, rest is money and ego. So I'm going to be watching every action movie. I'm, I mean, matter of fact, at the end of the month, every month on that Fat Samurai Guy's YouTube channel, I do the action film autopsy. Yeah, I've watched it. And I talk, and I talk about every action movie that came out that month. So I'll yeah. still watch everything. Yeah. But do I have hope? I always have hope. Do I have expectations? You're going to need great Kung Fu practitioners, which China is not happy about at the moment. You're going to need great choreographers, new choreographers. So the likelihood of that happening, however, martial arts will be with us forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I hope that Kung Fu will, will, will remain alive. Yeah. But real Kung Fu, uh, and, and also the people who taught me, and also if you want me to teach you, I can teach you. Yeah, so, yeah. Just let me know. Rick, thanks so much for this. I'm sure we'll touch base again in the new year. All right. Thank you cool. so much, man. Thanks, Rick. Bye bye. Bye bye. Rick Myers there, the great Rick Myers, Kung Fu Santa, as he is sometimes referred to. That is his alias on 
That's Fat Samurai Guy's YouTube channel. Link to that in the description. You'll find lots of Rick Meyer's reviews and opinions on that channel. Thank you, Rick. That was a great conversation. A few notes just off the back of that. So Xu Feng is the genius Chinese film director, which we mentioned, director of The Final Master. His new movie is called 100 Yards. It got its international premiere at this year's Toronto International Film Festival. It has been picked up by WowGo USA for North American distribution, which is great news. The John Wick book that Rick has contributed to, that is called They Shouldn't Have Killed His Dog, the complete, uncensored, ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu and the New Age of Action. It's by Edward Gross. It is available wherever you get books. I'll be sure to put a link to that title in the podcast description. I'll also be sure to add links to all of Rick's Kung Fu movie books so you can pick up copies of those if you don't already have them. I'll also link to our review of Iron Fists and Kung Fu Kicks. That's a superb documentary from 2019. Rick is interviewed in that documentary. The Calligraphy Fight from the Magnificent Butcher. That was mentioned during the chat. That is the classic 1979 Yen Wu-Ping and Sammo Hung movie. It's superb. The fight scene itself features Li Hui Sang and Quan Tak Hing. Classic Kung Fu at its finest. Link to that fight scene in the podcast description and finally a quick correction the movie that rick mentioned their ballerina that is a korean movie it's out now on netflix uh, it's a pretty good movie so do go and check out ballerina if you haven't seen that yet rick has also sent me a link to his ebay sellers accounts he's under the name chimera publishing and you can actually purchase lots of very interesting goodies from a life spent collecting movie related memorabilia so there's signed photos there's books and posters loads of cool nerdy stuff uh, i noticed a signed five venoms poster on there it's it's selling for 700 bucks so uh, if you've uh, if you've got that kicking around then you could get hold of a signed five venoms poster anyway lots of cool stuff on there i'll be sure to put a link to that also in the description and that is about it for today's episode. A huge thank you to Rick Myers for taking the time to talk to me for this episode of the show. And a huge thank you, of course, to you, the loyal food follower who has listened to this episode to the very end. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. Your reward will be, you guessed it, another brand new episode, which will be landing in two weeks' time. Until then, stay safe, be well, take care, and I will speak to you all again very soon on the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Bye for now. Bye.